Welcome to your weekly Social Jack Influence Factory. Introducing your coaches, Dean Delisle, Kate Hassett, and Jackson Delisle. Hey guys. Hey, how you doing? Hello, good. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, welcome to another episode of uh, Influence Factory. And uh, uh, so, uh, man, it's almost, I can't believe summer's here already. It's crazy. I know. Yeah. And we have July next week. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth of July, yeah. Crazy yeah. holiday. Yep. So uh, Influence Factory, Kate, if people want to catch us on social, where do they go? Um, on Twitter, obviously, use the hashtag InfluenceFactoryGotInfluence. You already should be following us at GetSocialJack. And um, a little birdie told me that our guest today is going to answer all of your questions on Twitter. So make sure you get them in before and after the broadcast. Oh, that's right. He said he would respond to any questions, and he's a data analytics expert. So that is like super duper duper cool. Um, so real quick, uh, I just want to welcome everybody from Chicago headquarters here. And don't forget, so you can learn more, uh, maybe flip this little puppy upside down, turn it around, close your uh, email, take some notes and tune in and you will definitely learn some cool stuff. Uh, also in the questions area of the GoToWebinar taskbar, uh, this is where you ask your questions uh, for the uh, for us or for our uh, guest uh, that's on the show today. So please make sure you uh, pay attention to that and uh, uh, ask away. This is your chance to ask the expert. So we want to make sure you uh, get all your questions answered. And also, as Kate mentioned, as long as you're hashtagging, uh, we have a lot of people that ask questions on Twitter. Join them and uh, we'll make sure we uh, pick those uh, out as well. Um, so real quick, uh, just type into a test question here. Our test question for, because it's summer and I really like ice cream, what is your favorite ice cream? So what's your favorite ice cream? So it could be from anywhere, you can name a brand, doesn't matter, but what's your favorite ice cream? Kate, what's yours? Mint chocolate chip, but not <laughs> the green kind. I don't like the artificial flavorings, only the white kind. Oh, I didn't even know they made white kind. Okay, we're gonna have to talk about that because I, I like oh briars. Okay, okay. And Jackson, yeah, how about it's you? A name drop. Well, I'm lactose intolerant, but um, <laughs> so it's hard. To, it's hard to choose. But I would have to say Chunky Monkey by Ben and Jerry's. So. I like Chunky Monkey too, but I'm a long time. You know, I do like the recent one at uh, Baskin Robbins. That's um, uh, that's a uh, chocolate peanut butter because it's got big hunks of peanut butter in there. Oh man, I'm after. Or what about the rolled ice cream places now, where they like flatten it out, like roll it, and it's like a Instagram-worthy oh, like, picture. Like Cold Stone. No, no, no. Like the rolls. Like there's oh. a bunch of them in Chinatown. Of course, I'm I'm new here, so I'm a tourist, so I go to Chinatown, but. It's probably been there for 30 years, and I'm like, okay, yeah, wait, probably. I had that when I was a kid. <laughs> no, it's new. The rolled ice cream. Google it. Oh, yeah, okay. I've never had All to, right. to check that out. <laughs> All right, out. folks. <laughs> well, remember, if you have audio problems, you can click on uh, switching between microphone and, uh, uh, you know, or switch, switch between computer audio and phone call uh, so that you can actually, uh, you know, pick up the phone and take us on the road with you. You can also download the mobile app. And Jackson, if they, after the fact, where can they pick up the podcast and uh, video it? So the video will be on YouTube and then uh, the podcast will be on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and SoundCloud. And also all of the links to those uh, pages will be in the uh, resource center at app 
www.socialjack.com. Oh, sure, for sure. Okay, cool. And don't forget to engage with us so that you can win uh, some Starbucks gift cards today. So super cool stuff. Um, remember, Social Jack members, to uh, jump in there. We have our new influence, uh, our event influencer marketing kit, uh, toolkit. So we want to make sure if you missed out on that from our uh, event influencer event uh, a few weeks ago. Was that last week or two weeks ago? I don't know. They all blend together. What? Okay, cool. So anyway, so you can download that and have uh, enjoy that. We have all kinds of checklists in there, some of our secret sauce for influencer events. So make sure you jump in on that and take advantage of all that good stuff. Uh, Jackson always keeps those forms uploaded and there are discount codes. So some free webcasts that are just been released, how to get qualified referrals with LinkedIn uh, for business advisors. I know a lot of you advise other business owners and businesses, so this is good for you. July 12th at 2 p.m. Central Time. Um, you'd go to social4advisors.com and social4mnda.com uh, is the M&A game changer. We're gonna show you how uh, LinkedIn can help um, increase uh, deal flow along with TiVo, which is a business scoring system. The Alliance Summer Conference is coming up already, July 17th to the 19th. And then we have Wealth Tech 2018, uh, River North Business Builder Networking Event, uh, NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit in San Jose, uh, just some of the events that we're involved with here, and then Chicago Best and Brightest, and of course the SMS virtual event, and we have a blockchain virtual event. So please stay tuned on the socialjack.com site, and we have all these events listed. And now let's go to the news. Influencer marketing is the trend and not going anywhere right now. So what this does is it's launching this week. It's a dashboard on Facebook, a wow. tool that's going to show brands the most relevant influencers and allow them to make the connection. Actually connect right there on Facebook, talk, engage, like their stuff, and um it's just really cool. This is like a manual thing that we've been helping clients, you know, with, with just our manual scoring systems and then influencer marketing tools have come out that are like really expensive. So um, I'm sure Facebook will put some kind of cost behind it at some point because it's a business, but right now the launch is free and it's really cool. One of my favorite things The brands are going to be able to access data from the user's past collaborations. So basically, when you're looking at an influencer, you don't have to guess if they're working with other influencers or other brands, if they're talking to your competitors. You can see who they've worked with right there, and you can actually see the campaigns they've worked on. So that's really cool. It's doing a lot of the research for you, and I think it's an awesome tool. Yeah, that's cool. So there's uh, it's Facebook uh, calls it a brand collabs manager, right? Yes, yes, brand collabs yeah. manager. I, I think this is very cool. Uh, it's such a great way to have, uh, you know, that we always have people come to us and go, how do I get an influencer and how do I know they're right for my brand? And Facebook is, you know, really taking that step and facilitating the connection and I, I really I think this is a great step for them to take considering I mean everyone was about to drop Facebook a few months ago and this is this is a really big uh, and, and a, a great move for them so yeah we also have one that I don't have pulled up but maybe uh, you guys can cover it quickly five metrics for evaluating influencers and predicting ROI uh, that uh, most brands are not using 
Yeah, so I uh, I can cover that real quick. There's not any visuals that are really needed for that. So five metrics for evaluating influencers. So basically, this is, this is a really cool article because it tells you the biggest flaw in finding an influencer for your brand. So um, when you're looking at it, you're looking, a lot of people judge their influencers off of metrics which is like this person has so many followers on twitter right. so i you know i need them to and that's not always the case because a lot of times uh you know vanity metrics are the high follower counts but the high follower counts can be uh like made up of uh, dummy accounts abandoned or hacked accounts um and then people who are on the follow follow back chain which is not a good thing to be on as well as <laughs> it's not i mean if you're Wait, just what is that what does that mean if, if people will put in there uh, uh I, I don't see it as much as i used to but it was like team follow back or hashtag fo you know follow follow back and um that it was basically saying if you follow me i'm definitely going to follow you back and i mean if you're not being at least a little um you know genuine genuine and authentic with who you're following and why you're following them, then I'm, there's no real point in it. You know, you're not really going to build a good following off of people that are just on fo team follow back. Yeah. Uh, no, then, yeah. Yeah. Hold on. But that's, that's good too, because um, we were just having a conversation about that internally. So one of the things that we look at when we're asked to score influencers or look at folks is are they really tending to their own account? Is it really them? And uh, does the audience, uh, you know, what is the level of audience engagement? So we actually score on that. That the, you know, and, and if you have fake follow followers and you're just following, you know, getting gathering a whole bunch of people, chances are Buying you're them. yeah, or buying them. Your your engagement score is going to be super low, and you're not going to get those opportunities, especially the paid ones. But um, Unfortunately, we got to jump to uh, a quick lesson and get John on the air here, but uh, we'll send all these uh, links out to everybody and um, very, very good news. You guys always come up with the best stuff. I mean, I love this uh, for myself because I learn uh, along with the rest of the audience. So we have a lot of new people on with us today. So I'm going to ask a magic question here and jump into a lesson. So um, I want to know, are you a business influencer? Ready? Look at the blue screen and click on the answer. So you can click on the little flower uh, on there uh, if you can't find our screen. So we have 55. You guys are quick today. 55% of you are in. Uh, there you go. And 100% of you are influencers, so you are correct. So uh, the cool thing is, uh, remember that you're always an influencer, and um, if you uh, are connected to us, we are always bringing you the latest and greatest uh, influencer tools. So um, <laughs> Lori says the following people are uh, drove, so they uh, follow you back, and then unfollow is another big one. Yeah, I know, I hate that too. I do not like that at all, Lori, so good call. Um, so in this, if we, um, uh, the lesson today, so I have this giant monitor. If you guys see me looking up, you know, you'll see that I have this uh, this giant monitor, so, which is awesome. Uh, so uh, one of the things, we're gonna be talking about analytics here in about 60 seconds, but I just wanna make sure that everybody is mindful about paying attention to who is uh, is really looking at you and following you. And these are some of the most important metrics for your personal brand. So who's viewed your profile is often overlooked. 
So the number one thing is like looking at the profile, seeing if those followers and those people are good for you, making sure that you constantly get people to look at you. And are you reaching back and connecting with them? You know, are you, are you um, having conversations with them? Remember, this is a big networking event. You really want to make sure that you're not just getting the numbers or the views, but you're doing something with that. So please make sure that um, you pay attention to your own numbers and then also views of your post. You wanna make sure you um, really pay attention to that. Okay, and then um, with today's uh, guest, I am super excited because we're talking about social media analytics, which you guys know I am a geeky freak about this stuff. So uh, without further ado, we have John Chang. He's an award-winning uh, digital growth and product marketing expert. He's recognized global educator and keynote speaker. He's currently an adjunct faculty uh, uh, related around uh, media and web analytics at New York uh, University and further demonstrates his passion for marketing by teaching at General Assembly. So John, without further ado, come on down. There he is. Hey, how's it going? Hey, man, you moved. <laughs> I did, but I was testing this earlier and looked like I was in a creepy warehouse. <laughs> this is way better. There's actual um, posters on my wall. Yeah, I know. I was thinking about that today as I was looking. I'm like, I keep looking up like this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it probably looks like what's he? Is there a fly in the room or something? But they put this <laughs> giant monitor, so I've got, I've got you up on my wall here, and uh, your at Changaroo is like ginormous, so it's right. Great, there. that's how I like it. Yeah, right. So nothing <laughs> like a billboard. So at least in Chicago at the Civic Opera House, you know, you have a billboard here. So welcome. Good to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited for this. Yeah. So, um, so of all these cool things that you're doing, it, it seems like, you know, you're really big into, you know, mentoring, you know, I mean, that seems to be a huge theme going all the way back when we were talking. So many of us uh, do mentoring, but I'm always curious, you know, why, how did you get started with mentoring? Yeah. So I, there's this inherent part of being in the New York City tech scene. And when I first joined, I was in um, the first WeWork building that was ever started. And they made all of these great community incentives and even programs such as, I'll trade you copywriting if you teach me a little of coding. And so very informally, I started building my own career by being a mentee. And just, I mean, really, really early on, as soon as I had any kind of skill set to give someone else, um, I felt it was compelled to um, give it back in that sense. So it's a little hippy dippy, but um, that's how I got started. And then once I started cutting my teeth and getting um, some little more credibility, I uh, got involved with Techstars, um, Chobani, and so forth in the mentorship sphere. But to me, all of it's just a spinoff of teaching, which I really love doing. Teaching is mentoring in a lot of ways. So I'm just trying to expand that. Well, and that's how we met you at Social Media Strategy Summit. I'm yeah. like, wow, I really like what this John guy has to say. And then Kate's like, I'll chase him down, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, she uh, she found you and here you are. So we appreciate you uh, coming on to share with us. Um, you also, uh, you know, previously spent some time at Kickstarters. And I think for a lot of us in the world, um, it's one of those things where, um, you know, we always wonder what's it like, you know, and because I think a lot of people still don't understand how to kickstart their own thing, you know, so give us a little bit about just what it was like to, 
to be in that world and and you know maybe if you have anything to share with us like advice wise or anything like that that'd be interesting yeah so i should actually just first say that i've recently left kickstarter so not saying any opinions on behalf of the organization just doing my due diligence here um being at kickstarter is great um it's a really wonderful place to work and it has an amazing community as well as um as like um culture too so I think there's definitely several ways to dissect your question, and one of them is zooming out a little bit and being part of the technology and the startup um, and th these like big environments here, um, especially in crowdfunding. It's interesting being a marketer in that industry because there are so many people who like the, the product themselves. It their projects, so there are people doing the marketing. Um, for themselves, for their own projects, and this ultimately elevates the brand itself. So if you look at Indiegogo, if you look at Patreon, and just kind of generalizing across the industry, um, it's there's this part where should we really spend money or effort getting new um, leads or these like primary business metrics, or should we focus on improving the lives and the success rate of uh -huh. those starting the projects? And it was really similar at um, Stack Overflow, at General Assembly, at MakerBot, and my previous experiences as well. It's these kind of dual-sided communities where the more you actually champion the user, the better all metrics end up rising. That's in wow. theory, but uh, it works in practice as well. So does that make sense overall? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it almost follows with our theme. You know, we do a lot of influencer development here, and we're like, well, if you humanize the brand and you bring the users to the top or to the forefront, you're going to have much better engagement metrics, and and you know, it's overall, it's actually going to affect the inside as well as the outside. Definitely. I mean, a lot of organizations say that they do this kind of stuff, but it's a little fluffy. Um, it's yeah, just sure. I've had, yeah, <laughs> I've had the opportunity to work at organizations such as Kickstarter, where the users are such a big part of the product. So it's really just product marketing at the end of the day. Um, and helping them be better at marketing and helping them um, find their purpose and achieve their creativity. Do you remember, uh, do you remember when uh, sort of employee advocacy came out of the gate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All so, kind of stuff. so this is how we developed our influencer development program is we started uh, helping to coach and train a lot of people that were, you know, being, uh, you know, brand champions, you know, there's a lot of different words for them, but basically advocates. And we started watching all these big companies, these Fortune 500s, getting people uh, to to jump on social media and share stuff. And there was platforms for it and ways to push it out authentically and make it feel good. And then we started going to all the brand advocates that were watching. And these are big brands. I'm not going to name any of these, but they're big brands. And all of a sudden, I'm watching. And I go back to their profiles and how they look in the personal brand of the person that's the brand advocate looks terrible online. I mean, they had no good representation, you know, and so um, I don't know if you've seen that out there, but I'm like, hey, and then Definitely. I started asking them, I go, I go, so how would you rate your brand advocates in terms of their personal branding, you know, from, you know, just give me an A, B, you know, C, D, F grade on them. 
well, you know, out of 150, we have about 12 A's, you know, and five B's, and the rest are all C's and D's and F's. I go, well, don't you think you should do something about that? Yeah, improve them, but then also, um, under, I think that there's a weighting system, too. So even if they have that C, um, what is their overall reach? So one of the things when, um, and this is back in the day, maybe like 2013, um, when I was first talking to Sprinkler, um, they were pitching Maker about their services. And was one thing I really loved, because Intel had just released their own training program for employees to respond to really anything in their subject matter expertise. And then Sprinkler had these features where it connects to your CMS and then it gives employees a dashboard and opportunities to tweet about the brand and it gives them the customer service metrics and all that kind of stuff. And to me, it, it pairs really well with um, this idea that there aren't that many people at your company working on social media. That's my assumption. Right. And But there are a lot of people at your company that are on social media and perhaps could be extensions of your brand voice as well as extensions of your actual campaigns too. Like activating your internal employees is something that I see a lot of organizations just lacking. Um, and chances are you have someone, if you have the right culture, you have someone that's like dying to um, talk on behalf of the brand and answer these questions for people that you just like don't have time to or can't pay someone else to do it. Right, no, it makes total sense. And um, so uh, let's dig into, well, first of all, before we dig into uh, analytics, I have to ask you, I love your Changaroo handle. So where did that come from? Yeah, I was I was in high school and thought it was really, really funny. And then <laughs> since then, just haven't left. <laughs> it's awesome. I, I, it's so catchy and it's just, I don't know, it's fun, right? And so our audience uh, thinks it's fun as well. So uh, yeah. with that, um, you know, so uh, in analytics, so uh, so you have a background uh, and obviously a teach in social media and web analytics because they go they go hand in hand, right? I mean, if you, oh, you, know, you have some end game to what you're doing. So maybe um, help us understand in today's language and world, because I think this gets confusing. Even when I'm seeing our analytics reports I'm, I go out, I'm like, we've got to slow down and explain some things because there's changing language and there's things that used to be, you know, measured that aren't now. So, so maybe take us from like the web analytics part and then back us into the social piece. Oh yeah, let's do it. I've been thinking a lot about this recently because I just um, signed on again to teach um, the fall semester of web analytics at New York university. Uh, so I'm revamping my curriculum, my lesson plans and everything right now. And in thinking about that, I keep going back to the idea of properties um, and owned media. And I, to everything that you're saying, the terminology changes all to the time and there's synonyms everywhere. I think that's one reason why it's unnecessarily hard to learn digital marketing right. and analytics. Facebook's just deciding, well, you know, we're going to we're also going to use the metric called a view, but, you know, it's going to be defined slightly differently or and, and all that kind of stuff. So. The, the reason why I cited own media and um, properties is because of the quantity of da data that you get, specifically proprietary data. And I think that there's a fallacy in this idea of own media because your own media might include your Facebook profile. It might, or your Facebook page, your Twitter account, and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, Twitter owns all the data and they, they share with you what they want to share with you. And that's why I think web and property analytics exists because when someone goes to your website, to your domain or your app, you own all of that information without any of these restrictions. So right. 
it's you you need both it's a really tough game to play but um you absolutely need both of them it's this own media aspect that just makes everything a little more complicated but with if you're going to plan on anything i always try and get uh, as much traffic as possible from social to the property um, because that unlocks like cookie tracking retargeting all the things that gdpr now doesn't allow us to do right um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it unlocks all of this information about the user and all of this retargeting that you're allowed to do um, that you can kind of do in each native platform, but not necessarily cross-platform unless they're going to your property. So web analytics, super important um, because of the way that you own your own data. Yeah, what what uh, what should we be looking at? You know, that's always the part because, you know, obviously if you read the standard web analytics report, it could be 30 pages, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. what do you pay? You know, it could be overwhelming. Well, it is overwhelming. So what do you pay attention to? Well, the first thing, it really depends on the objective. So at General Assembly, we teach this thing called objective-first framework. And we really like overteach it, to be honest. Um, it's so helpful. But essentially, it in my opinion, the way I explain it is that it eliminates bickering at the end of a campaign because you set your objectives and your KPIs from the very start. Um, and let's say you're using Google Analytics for Web Analytics. Uh, that's what you look at immediately. You set your KPIs within the Google Analytics platform. And then the second that you log in, the nanosecond actually that you log in, all that information is immediately populated. And that's like the anchor. Everything else stems from there. So let's say that this is a campaign for signups and it's not for direct like e-commerce conversion. So we would go into Google Analytics and see the sign up conversion metrics and then assert whatever else we need. So let's say that you wanna know how influential each channel is for that conversion metric. You take the anchor and then you create a table with all the referrals or the UTM codes and all that kind of stuff. Right. So let's say, instead, you want to see which partners are performing the best. Use the affiliate feature, but you're still using that same hook in that, um, in that context there. So I think it simplifies everything. You, you can get terabytes of data from, what, from your web analytics platform, but chances are you only need megabytes at the very most for each report. And I think that's where people get um, confused, and oftentimes just because they, they aren't using that anchor of their original objective. Yeah, so um, I know that um, I know that uh, you know abandoned rates and things like that used to be you know so there was this whole thing about um, uh, visitors, new new you know new visitors and things like that. So um, maybe take us like what are if if there like what would be the top five things to look at if we're looking at a web analytics report? Oh, let's go through it. All right. Well, my favorite metric, and I take this because like I think it's also Avinash Kaushik's favorite metric. He's a chief digital marketing evangelist at Google, and it's bounce rate. So bounce rate is my favorite metric. But then also, and we'll go. So I have more than five. Uh, the reason why I love bounce rate, and this is how. Um, I fell in love with web analytics as a start is that Avinash Kaushik in uh, his videos, his teaching and his books, he describes it as a vis someone visits, they puke and they leave because it's, <laughs> it, they're either completely the wrong person or it's a horrible web experience. Perhaps the page loads slowly and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's one of the only web analytics metrics that has a benchmark, which is approximately 30%. So if more than 30% of the traffic is like, puking than leaving, you got a problem. Right. Uh, so bounce rate is the first thing to look at. And the final reason why I really love it is because it's directional data to me. And I define directional data slightly differently than like the data scientists in the crowd. But this is information that helps me then set up the next test. Bounce rate, uh. there's 
given that there's only really two reasons why people bounce, it's there is something wrong with your page or it's the wrong person, you can just dissect each of those independently and run really short tests and start to get deep insights from there. So that's why I look at it first and foremost. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and 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 uh, Google Analytics for your website is free, right? Still. Yes, until yeah. you exceed 10 million monthly data points, and then they start sampling your data. <laughs> well, if you're doing that, then you sh unless you have like a 99% bounce rate, you should be uh, okay. Should be <laughs> well, it used to be 20 million a few years ago, and now yeah, they halved right. it. And then wow. I think enterprise starts at $160,000 a year. So wow, it's uh, it's. It's a great tool. I mean, I'm not here like as evangelist for Google Analytics. I just use it a lot. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great tool. It's free to start, and until, like you said, like once you max that out, you're you're you got the cash to go invest in something else anyway. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So then. Um, is, uh, you know, and I guess it all depends on the business, right? So, you know, one of the things I always like to look at is certain interior pages to see, you know, are people spending time on there? So I would always look at how much time would they spend on the page? Is that still something worth looking at? Depends on the page. So I, yeah. one of the like pop quizzes I always give my students is that um, I give them a list of metrics and then I need to they give me examples of when it's good and bad for each metric to have a high number and a low number um, so for example time spent on a page um, on a blog post great it helps us understand um, that the user is actually reading through the blog post especially if you don't have like the parallax scroll metrics um, input and however if it's a checkout page then time on page should be drastically lower because the action items should be as easy should be so easy to get to that they aren't spending minutes on the page and that's where like with ticketmaster historically they've revamped their checkout page at this or their right. checkout process at this point that was my main example for a uh, horrible horrible checkout process but showing that um really the importance of getting time on page to the lowest number possible like they have the timer and all that kind of stuff yeah so, no that's yeah and and i um I was just thinking as you were saying that I was like, well, maybe if they have a long time, if they're spending a long time on the page, you put them to sleep. So you had your other instance where people yeah. were puking, um, you know, so, uh, but the idea too is that maybe people just like moved on to another tab or something. You know? Well, and this is a calculation that Google Analytics, for example, doesn't give by default, but I like doing, and it's taking the average pages per session and the average session duration and um, finding the ratio there. Because oftentimes people look at those two metrics independently. They're like, people saw a whole bunch of pages. and Or they're like, someone was on here for a very long time. But what you kind of want to figure out is, given the pages they're looking at, a blog post, a checkout process, or whatever, on average, how much time are they spending per page instead? Ah, uh, yeah. Especially e-com, when like, someone's going to a PDP and you want to know, on average, how much time are they actually spending on these different PDPs as an indication of user journey, user types, and then you can do like cohort analysis from there. What's a PDP? Product details page. Yes, great. <laughs> so I'm, uh, let me know when I'm over jargoning. It is yeah, just right. another flight of the marketer. Yeah, we just, uh, yeah, and Shirley was going, this sounds a little bit Greek to me, but I love the energy, so she's sticking with this. <laughs> um, yep. on, um, yeah, let's switch to social because, you know, most everybody on here can relate to social. I just always like to start with the end game. Um, and so in social, one of the things that we do um, is, is we create um, tracking links so that we can actually 
track things. Um, and sometimes it feels excessive to me, but I'm always happy when I see the reports that come off of it. So it's like, well, we have a tracking link for paid Facebook, for organic Facebook. We have one for LinkedIn, paid and organic. We have tracking links that are uh, for email, uh, drop one, two, and three, you know, and yep. so is, is um, you know, uh, you know, so what's your what's your whole feeling on you know too much too little on tracking links and it's know. it's time versus effort overall. But in my I think I'm a little biased, but having more data is always better for me, especially historically. Um, I've been in situations where I wished that six months ago I had used more tags so that I could do better analysis, and that's as as granular as the placement of the link within the email. So let's say it's three different links. Is it the first link, the second link, or the third link? Is it at the very top or the very bottom, the header, the foot? And it's like, it right. gets so granular. And to your point, if you're spending, I, actually, I don't really know what the threshold might be for your organization, but let's just say you're spending more time than you're actually getting back for analysis, then it's not worth yeah. it. However, if you can automate this stuff, which like Buffer, um, Google AdWords and so forth, they do that. Um, that's your like mark of excellence. Google AdWords gives you um, keyword, it gives you campaign tags on the term level, so which keywords you're actually bidding on, and then you're able to an analyze by that. Um, where doing it by hand would be a huge pain, but now that I'm able to analyze and splice insights based on the actual keywords I'm bidding on, I feel like it's so valuable. So with all that kind of stuff, I err on the side of over doing it rather than underdoing it um especially because like let's say that you leave the organization hand the keys off to someone else you like absolutely want them to um, be set for success so one thing at general assembly they named their campaigns after hurricanes and it was very hard for me to understand <laughs> which hurricanes were for like which actual campaigns um and it's great and whimsical and it shows that you can do so many so much stuff with campaign tags but it was not did not allow for the depth of analysis as like I'd want it to. Well, I know uh, Kate, you know, Kate and Jackson are laughing in the background because Joe was adamant about we have to be better at naming our links, you know, in analytics. You know, he was like, please. So we had we came up with this whole naming convention based on the client, the campaign, the type, you know, and it actually yeah. is where is paying off, you know, because now when we look at it, we're like, oh, okay, that makes total sense now. But you're right. Generally, just ask yourself, do you need to understand the independent value of blank? And if it's a variable for a test, a partner, a referral, like a, a social media site, whatever it is, like if you can over time, if you have that like that pulse and that instinct to know, then right. it's, it gets pretty simple. It's like, OK, we definitely need to measure this later. Yeah, for sure. And and we do deal with a lot of partners and they do they do ask us and it's good that they're asking us and they'll say, let us know how good this does. Like, you know, like for our um, our event marketing toolkit. Uh, some of our uh, marketing partners want to put that out. You know, they think it's valuable. And so we're like, okay, we'll drive them to this page. And they're like, can you track? And so we'll hand out a new tracking link to that partner. So yeah. when they use it, we know that it's working from that partner. I'll, I'll post a template to my blog after this. Um, the one thing that I use is just like the Excel concatenate, never say it properly, function. 
And um, so I actually made this for one of my Kickstarter direct reports before um, because the um, UTM strings and the query strings are just so long. So I was like, okay, you can copy and paste a lot of the same information across these cells and then it'll automatically join everything together using the- Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's one basic Excel function, it's a template and they'll save you a lot of time. I don't know why I haven't published it already. I'll go do that right after this. <laughs> awesome. No, I love yeah. it. Um, and then, uh, and of course, you can tell from our platform, people love tools. So, um, so uh, man, where's the time going already? Where's... I know, seriously. I know. Um, so, uh, a question from Twitter. How often should you look at organic social media analytics? Is it imperative every to every day? Well, if you're a business owner, you're an <laughs> analytics person. So yes, you have to do it every day. But, but so like, you know, let's say you, you own a business or a smaller practice or a mid-sized company. Um, how often should you look at organic? It really depends on the size of it's the size of your program. So, I mean, you can be a big company or a small company, but you can be like really, can I say swears on here? I was going to say kicking ass. I'll say it anyway. Yeah, I already said it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. oh, too, that was too late. It's way too late. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're really kicking ass on social, then um, this is a way you usually splice it. You're going to want to look at um, the end of any campaign anyway. So that dictates um, frequency and timing. And then... Depending uh, if you're posting every single day, you're going to want to do weekly roundups. So that dictates at least every week. And then if you are aggressively trying to get new followers, and like I was, I was tuning in earlier about the whole follow back and stuff like that. Right. Um, if you're actively trying to look at your follower growth and churn, then that's almost a daily stat. Um, so that's where it's you don't. I don't think you really need to obsess over it. But um, if your program is much larger, then it's got to be daily. Even if it's smaller, then you're going to want to do weekly roundups. Um, and if you aren't posting more than once a week, then you're also just doing something wrong. So do that first, then do a weekly roundup. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's super cool. So um, so when you're looking at social, you know, what are some of the what are some of the most important data points or metrics that you're looking at? Um, it's overall engagement with content. So I think that the industry itself is moving towards live content, um, rich videos. Um, if, and then even if it's text, a lot of text is very inviting for conversations. So it's additional engagement metrics as well. So I'm always in favor of either having one-on-one -on -one dialogues with users or like with other, um, with followers, whatever, like Twitter users, let's say. And then in addition to that, sharing rich content. So on the rich content side, you're looking at um, view duration. Um, and then on the engagement side, you are looking at quantity, like the length of the thread. And both of those to me are important because it also helps with this like notoriously hard to track and hard to game trending thing on every social media platform, which to me is just mass times velocity. You need a whole bunch of people to take a heavy engaged action at the same time, and then you will become trending. I did this as just an experiment with 100 people in the room. I was attending this like journalism conference and we, um, so this guy who was presenting created a new hashtag. We all posted it and liked that one post and became number two trending in the US. I mean, it lasted for a minute, but it showed the power of this kind of stuff where a like or a favorite is definitely not weighted the same as someone who actually comments or views more than, I think it's like 2.4 seconds of a video. So they're really forcing us into sweat equity and having real authentic conversations. So something else you touched on earlier, this authenticity. And the second thing is actually making not horrible videos, which is still most social media videos. <laughs> uh, 
So if you're looking to kind of like game that system, except except for social jack. Yeah, except no, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely except for social jack. So I look at those, um, I look at those primarily um, because that really helps me out. Um, and on Facebook, the share is worth more than anything else. And so I look at um, whether or not people are actively sharing because that's like in it's not necessarily exponential, but I'll just say it colloquially, it's like an exponential growth of your post. Yeah. So so then um, when you're looking at that, you know, when you're looking at those analytics, how can you tell what to do differently? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, you should be running tests and that that will give you the information. Um, and then this is where it goes, goes into not necessarily the weekly roundup, but the campaign um, wrap ups. Uh, so first of all, everyone should do some sort of thematic social media content, such as Throwback Thursdays are super old, but whatever it is that trains your audience to expect valuable content at the same time every single week, once you do that, you'll be able to start getting trend lines. And I think that's that's one of the, when people don't do that, it makes it a lot harder to find insights with your um, social media organic performance because you're doing one-off things and it's really hard to make a correlation or a trend there. Uh, However, when you're doing um, the same themes week over week or day over day, then you can see dips and like ebbs and flows and dips um, and or peaks and valleys of these performances. Uh, and then layering on top, testing on top of that, um, if you are boosting or supplementing with advertisements, then um, just seeing which variation one, let's say you are using two forms of copy, um, it's very straightforward which one has one, and then you just start doing more of that kind of stuff. Right. Lori's saying uh, there's so many terms that she has to Google, but she Oh, so sorry. <laughs> so I mean, I think a lot of it, and this is why I use thematic content, it's really yep. just like, what's the thing that you're going to name and do every right. single week at, at MakerBot? It was even just like tips and tricks every Monday, like, and we just knew that was going to work. And then every Tuesday, we knew that K-12 teachers were going to be online, so we're going to go like do content just for K-12 teachers on Tuesdays. And uh, yes. And, and then it was also helped like us not freak out as much because when there is a dip, it was like, oh wait, school just ended, or like the school school year just ended, school or zone. something. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. So, um, so then, uh, uh, sh- uh, let's see. Shirley was just asking, what's your favorite social media platform? Uh, as in tool or like the actual channel? The actual channel for you. Uh, I really like Instagram, and then I'm also I'm a fan of Twitter for marketing purposes. It's really more conceptually. They, it's so okay. I'll dissect three just really quickly. Yeah. Instagram's great. I just find it like highly addictive um, for my like millennial narcissism. Um, <laughs> I like well, I like that they are always trying new features, and right. uh, I think just looking at stories and how that took over against Snapchat is a testament to how great they are, wow, like just trying things, I know, and it happened so quickly, too. Did you see the new uh, chat feature in there, too, so you can chat while you're posting and while you're viewing? No, I didn't. Yeah, just released, like, yesterday, so, like, you can actually chat in Instagram, a video chat with your friends while you're browsing Instagram. Oh, awesome, yeah. I know. And How then there's Instagram TV. 
Right. I mean, they. I mean, they. They just launched like a dating platform, and it's everyone scoffs, but they. They launched like I think someone. One of my friends, who's a product manager, took a look at this, and um, every year Facebook launches approximately seven times as many features as its competitors, and right. people right. always like laugh at the ones that fail. But I mean, look at what they're doing. They find the one that wins, even though it's a lower success rate, and they kill it at it. Um, and I think Instagram, the get stories and everything that you're talking about is, um, primary examples of this. Yeah. Yeah. Lori asked real quick, just cause you brought up IGTV. Is there any tips on, uh, analytics for that? Or how to look I mean, at it? no, Instagram, first of all, itself is just not great in terms of measuring things. It's, it's just like, it goes into their business model. They're gating a lot of the metrics. They made it so hard to integrate with the API for so long to actually get the information that you need for IGTV specifically. I think that it's super interesting because we're adopting a lot of the same entertainment metrics as before. So it's just total amount. So you want total reach, but then also the total amount of viewers for different durations. And then after that, you're looking at churn rate at specific times as well, because you're trying to optimize your content. So let's say three minutes in, you start talking about dogs and everyone leaves because they're cat, they're cat lovers or something right. like that. So that's kind of how I would splice it. At what points are they, are they dropping off and what were you talking about at that time? And then what was your overall reach? Because um, essentially, if your reach, you, you should just increase the total um, percentage that engage until the end, um, de like depending on the reach. But it's yeah. really simple. It's really basic right now. Right. So, uh, so in the two minutes that we have left, I just got the yeah. cue. So, um, so you mentioned a couple different platforms. So, what else? What other name? One other platform, and uh, you know why? Uh, I used to say Pinterest, but instead I'll say YouTube. YouTube yeah, is, thanks. they're just taking off. Oh man, yeah. YouTube Music, YouTube Live. Um, they do product really well. And I, it's like speaking about influencers, I think that they really just got it early on. They realized, they did, yeah. and now they have a whole creator and educational portal just for the YouTube creators. I found out once you hit 10 million subscribers, they send you a diamond. It's what? in the shape of a play, but yeah. I, I had to like triple check it to make sure it was true. So yeah, once you hit 10 million um, subscribers, they send you a diamond um, in the wow. in the YouTube like play logo. Um, that's like more of an anecdote, but it's I think that in terms of um, finding valuable content and being engaged um, over and over and over again, they are diversifying the product features and product sets so much, and then using that solid base of influencers they've developed over the last like half decade to make the content that no one else has. It's it's so it's really useful um, in terms of marketing. It's I mean they're valuing the community over marketing currently, um, so I think that it'll catch up. And um, it's just smart. They're going to create the content and the product, and then layer the marketing on top of it. Wow, that's that's cool. So uh, just so you know, our audience uh, is asking if we can have you back because they can listen to some of this stuff all day. So uh, <laughs> maybe later to. later in the year after. Uh, you know, we meet uh, at our next cycle of uh, social media conferences. You know, maybe, uh, you oh, know, maybe yeah. we can jump on and do another um, uh, another piece on this because I think, you know, I think it, you know it's different for everybody and it constantly changes. So you know, there's that struggle of uh, what do we pay attention to, and then now that we're at this point, what do we pay attention to? So I think that's a sort of a struggle. And you mentioned your blog, so if people do want to. Uh, get to your blog. You know, we know Changaroo on Twitter, and and that'll probably get us to everything else. But uh, where can we find your blog? 
you can just go to johnchang.co and it has it actually and it has recordings of lessons that I've taught. So there's a two-hour social media lesson um, for people who are starting the yeah. So it's like on the screen right there yep. <laughs> who are starting their first social media programs. Um, but if you use the hashtag for this event, so if you use Influence Factory and the hashtag and then uh, mention me, I will answer your questions any time of day all year. Um, so just make wow. sure to use the hashtag and make sure to tag me. Yeah, that's huge, man. So, oh, yeah, uh, so watch out, up. watch out. I'm going to take advantage of that. I'll be blocking <laughs> it. John, so, but I'll quote you, you know, so that's the good part, but, uh, Do it. Oh, it's like, I always learn. It's like, I pick up so many nuggets and Shirley's <laughs> like, wow, thanks John. So, uh, but the idea here is I know, um, Jimmy Z wants, well, we have 60 seconds left. We we never finished the top five metrics, and he's he, oh he yeah just, he just let it go. So I think we have to serve him and let him know what were the top five metrics. Well, while explaining, could you please click on content on my site? Um, it'll just it, there might be like uh, it, it'll help like um, show like what resources might be available for people. Um, so I've go to market strategies here and so forth. Additional metrics that I like. Okay, so we've kind of gone through some as as well, like pages per session. Um, session duration. So bounce rate is my favorite. After that, um, I really like going to um, the user behavior flow and figuring out where the drop-offs are. So specifically, um, drop-offs per page. And to me, why that is important, it, I, it identifies bottlenecks in the user journey, and then I can just make tests that, to um, correct that. And then the third one is based if you're e-com specifically, I mean, really for any funnel, it's abandonment rate. So um, Mixpanel, um, Google Analytics, um, all of these tools all have checkout processes or checkout flows, and you can figure out exactly which part um, people are dropping off and sort it by new visitors versus returning visitors as well. Um, and to me, that's uh, it's very similar to like the second metric that I cited, the drop-off for bottlenecks, but the new inverse returning specifically in this checkout process helps us better understand, are we conveying our brand story correctly? Because by the time that they get here, we should actually be able to get them. Um, they, we should have such a strong brand affinity that new visitors, um, sorry, that returning visitors should have a significantly higher um, completion rate. And if not, it's a um, it's a red flag for your brand advertising and your messaging. Wow, yeah, that's super cool. And then we're gonna give everybody uh, links to yeah. John's uh, sites here, and then uh, and then we will have another wraparound session. So Kate, make note of that. And uh, we just put up on the screen here. I know sometimes people want access to certain classes and uh, certain programs that we offer with our event programs or our influencer development programs and things like that. So uh, we'll leave that up for ten more seconds. And let's. Um, bring back Jackson and Kate here so uh, we can uh, wrap up and we have some prize winners. We always give out engagement prize winners, uh, John, because you know the secret to successful social or being an influencer at the end of the day, you mentioned it probably at least 10 times is engagement, right? So, oh yeah. Um, so we like to reward, yeah, yeah, right. We need, we love to reward those people. So uh, Jackson, quick learn 30 seconds. What'd you learn? so many things uh just i i can't narrow it down i really right. can't like kate, i could have heard i could have listened to him talk forever go kate, on go. Kate. 
<laughs> um, I'm not doing enough analytics, obviously. I'm not doing it often enough. Um, but I want to ask while we, while we have you, one thing we forgot to ask is who are the influencers that you follow? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, I, I think the normal ones are like Larry Kim. The So in the marketing world, Larry Kim, Avnesh Kaushik, um, and um, oh my gosh, Rand Fishkin. Um, those are just three people who write a lot of great content, but then, um, for like search engine marketing, really like Jenny Marvin, um, she is so dope at writing about like the latest trends on SEO and AdWords. Um, so there's four right there. Scott Galloway, I mean, NYU all the way. Scott Galloway is just such a baller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you haven't checked out his recent book, um, I would definitely do that. And if you just want like a quick youtube intro to him just search scott galloway and the four horsemen he'll um, blow your mind oh that's cool that's cool do you know uh chris barrows from uh, nyu no i don't uh we'll have to connect you up he's he's got a great Please podcast do. too yeah he's got a great podcast too so as well um and i just had up on the screen there that uh, uh mike o'neill uh linkedin sales navigator guru he's my go-to for that will be on with us uh not next week remember it's a uh, uh, holiday here in the U.S., uh, Independence Day, and uh, so we're going to have a, take a little bit of a break uh, next week, and then we'll be uh, right back on. Uh, but with that being said, uh, so Jackson, who's our winner? It's her first time back in a couple episodes, and uh, Shirley, she, Shirley Miller. Yeah, good. Woo Shirley. Go Shirley. Kate, what about on Twitter? On Twitter, we have I Ryan Allen. He's somebody that follows John, so we snagged him from your network. Great. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Well, then he gets a, yeah, so they get a Starbucks gift card. And our only rule is that you, uh, when you meet somebody for that cup of coffee, is that you discuss something that you learned or that inspired you from the program. So it's that simple. And so you'll get email today from Jackson and he'll uh, send you a nice Starbucks gift card and take somebody out and have some face-to-face -face quality eyeball to eyeball time with somebody so that uh, uh, you can build those relationships and sort of keep the uh, magical world going around of human to human interaction, right, John? Oh yeah, there's nothing more important. Right, so uh, man, we, uh, we lo we'd love to have you on, I know, yeah, right? So it's like AI <laughs> and, you know, well, the AI allows you to spend some more time with humans too. So, you know, like the, uh, you know, so the machines, you know, it's, there's all balance in the world, it's all good. Yeah. So um, we'd love to have you on, uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. So. Uh, uh, and again, uh, we've got to have you back because people can't dig into enough analytics. Everybody was chiming in here and now what they're going to go work on. So thanks to you. Uh, we all have a little bit more work to do, but we'll be smarter Great. because of it. So love it. Good stuff, man. So uh, good. Well, we'll see you at the next conference for sure. And we'll definitely see you online. And we're all going to take you up on that offer for uh, uh, helping and asking questions and things like that. So uh, especially us here it. on the team. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Right. Well, thanks for having us on today and from all of us here at Social Jack Headquarters. Uh, we appreciate you and uh, we'll look forward to seeing more of you uh, online and other places. So, perfect. Thank all you right. all. Take care, everybody. Bye, y'all.